Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 10th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our crime report. 41-year-old Carolyn Plaza, who lives in Fresno, self-surrendered after a warrant for her arrest was issued on six felony counts of workers' compensation premium fraud. Prosecutors allege that Plaza underreported more than $3 million in employee payroll in order to reduce her company's workers' compensation insurance premium by nearly $1 million. Plaza is the co-owner of Absolute Urethrain Incorporated, a construction contracting business serving the Fresno and surrounding Central Valley areas since 2006. An investigation began after a tip from the state compensation insurance fund claiming Plaza had manipulated payroll reports to avoid paying higher premiums. The investigation uncovered that Plaza had provided false payroll records to the state fund for multiple policy years. After comparing those payroll records to the records she reported to the EDD, it was discovered that she underreported more than $3 million in employee payroll over the five years. This resulted in nearly a million-dollar loss in premium to state fund. Employers are required to accurately report the number of employees, job classifications, and the amount of payroll expended. One of the common ways in which employers avoid paying insurance premiums is to underreport a business payroll by providing false payroll reports to their insurance company. In this case, Plaza's underreporting significantly lowered the premiums she owed. Her arraignment is scheduled for June 28th in the Fresno County Superior Court. The Fresno County District Attorney's Office is prosecuting this case. After years of firing employees when they requested medical treatment for work-related injuries, 71-year-old Todd Zato, the owner of M.T. Zato Construction, admitted to committing felony workers' compensation insurance fraud. The construction company handles commercial, multifamily, and residential construction projects throughout the greater San Francisco Bay Area. As a result of suspicious activity that occurred at a new residential construction project in San Jose, the California Contractors State License Board brought this case to the attention of the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office. In late 2018, multiple former employees reported that they had been fired after requesting medical treatment for injuries they had sustained while at work. Rather than file an appropriate claim with the employer's insurance company and risk an increase in premium, Zato simply handed them cash and then terminated them. The employees who frequently worked upwards of 70 hours would be paid for only 40 hours, which is wage theft. He avoided about $86,000 in premium payments to his insurer by under-reporting employees and injuries. To further his scheme, Zato used the banking system to launder $165,000 to pay his employees off the books. Zato was also charged with unemployment insurance tax fraud and money laundering. Zato's plea agreement requires that he be placed on five years formal probation, 
serve nine months in the county jail, and make restitution of about a quarter of a million dollars. Former Santa Ana police officer Jonathan Ridge was fired from the Santa Ana Police Department after admitting to workers' compensation fraud. Ridge pled guilty to several charges, one count of making a false statement to obtain compensation, and three counts of filing a fraudulent insurance benefit claim. Back in 2017, Ridge sustained an injury while on duty in pursuit of a suspect who was driving a stolen vehicle. He went on disability due to the injuries he had sustained. Ridge had surgery to repair <clears throat> excuse me, his injured wrist, and his doctor recommended he stay out of work for up to six months. He was then cleared by his doctor to return to work. Ridge returned to work with several medical restrictions with the city of Santa Ana, and they were unable to accommodate despite having an extensive return-to-work program for injured workers. So they continued paying Ridge disability payments, which was the same as the full amount of work pay. The department started surveillance on Ridge in 2019 after observing little to no improvement to his injury after 18 months off the job. The investigation discovered that Ridge was engaged in activities beyond what his doctor imposed, including attended college classes weeks after his wrist surgery, taking a road trip to Utah, going to the beach, and even riding a motorcycle. Ridge received his full-time pay for over a year while not working, despite being fully capable of returning to work. Ridge was sentenced to six months in jail and then two years of probation. Insight Corporation, a pharmaceutical company, has agreed to pay out $12.6 million to resolve allegations that it violated the Federal False Claims Act by paying kickbacks. The settlement resolves allegation that the company purportedly used an independent foundation as a conduit to pay the co-pays of some of the patients taking Insight's drug, Jacoffee, in 2011. Specifically, Insight was the sole donor to a fund that was opened in November 2011 to assist myelofibrosis patients. Insight used the fund to pay the co-pays of beneficiaries taking Jacoffee, who were ineligible for assistance from the fund because they did not have myelofibrosis. Insight managers pressured the foundation through phone calls and emails to provide economic assistance to these ineligible patients. An Insight's contractor helped ineligible patients to complete applications submitted to the fund for assistance. The government alleges that through this conduct, Insight caused false claims for Jacoffee to be submitted to Medicare and TRICARE. Congress included co-pay requirements in these federal programs to serve as a check on health care costs, including the prices that pharmaceutical manufacturers can demand for their drugs. Under the anti-kickback statute, a pharmaceutical company is prohibited from offering or paying directly or indirectly any remuneration to induce patients to purchase a company's drugs. This prohibition extends to the payment of patients' copay obligations. 
The civil settlement includes a resolution of claims brought under the key Tom or whistleblower provisions of the False Claim Act by Justin Dillon, a former compliance executive at Insight. A private party can file an action on behalf of the United States and receive a portion of any recovery. In this case, Dillon will receive about $4 million of the recovery. 29-year-old Brooke Gomez, who lives in Maxwell, California, was convicted and sentenced on one misdemeanor count of workers' compensation insurance fraud after she claimed to be too injured to work in order to collect work comp benefits, all the while working for another employer. While working as a rice grater, Gomez sustained an abdominal injury in 2019 while lifting bags of rice and Gomez began receiving workers' compensation benefits. Gomez told her employer she had been offered several part-time jobs but declined the offers due to her work injury. But other mill workers reported that they witnessed Gomez working as a bartender at a local bar. Undercover surveillance at this local bar showed Gomez interacting with customers, serving drinks, completing cash transactions with patrons, and wiping down tables, all functions she claimed not to be able to do as a result of her injury. The surveillance also discovered Gomez discussing her workers' compensation claim with bar patrons and discussing her hopes of not getting caught while working at the bar while receiving, at the same time, workers' compensation benefits. Due to Gomez's misrepresentations, she received nearly $7,000 in undeserved workers' compensation payments, and her employer's insurance company lost an additional $9,000 in legal and investigation costs. Gomez pleaded no contest to the misdemeanor charge and was placed on 12-month summary probation in order to pay $6,000 in restitution and $630 in fines. And in regulatory news, Commissioner Catherine Zalewski has been reappointed to the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board, where she has served since 2014 when she was appointed by Governor Brown and as chair since 2017. Zalewski was chief counsel at the California Department of Industrial Relations from 2012 to 2014, where she was a workers' compensation administrative law judge and advisor to the Division of Workers' Compensation from 2009 to 2011. Prior to her, her appointment as a workers' compensation judge in 2009, Ms. Zalewski represented insurers and self-insured employers in workers' compensation matters throughout Northern California. Commissioner Zalewski received her B.A. from the University of California, Berkeley, in 1983, and her Juris Doctor from Hastings College of Law in 1986. This position requires Senate confirmation, and the compensation is $164,122 per year. The Standard & Poor's Global Market Intelligence reports that underwriting profitability remained relatively stable in the U.S. workers' compensation market in 2020 as the COVID-19 pandemic raged and premium volumes fell. 
But while the pandemic may be ebbing in the U.S. in 2021, the workers' comp space cannot yet say it was unscathed. The top three workers' compensation players held their positions in 2020, despite seeing sharp falls in premium volume. The travelers' companies continued to rule the roost with control of 7.3% of the U.S. market, even though its direct premiums written fell 11.3% to $3.74 billion. Premium volume was down across the board as the pandemic kept workers at home or saw them furloughed or laid off. Direct written premiums were down 10.5% year over year to $31.41 billion for the top 20 and 9.2% to $51.6 billion for the industry. However, underwriting profitability looks to have held up despite concerns about a flurry of losses from the introduction of rebuttable presumptions for pandemic-related workers' comp claims in several states. The industry-wide private carrier combined ratio was estimated to be 86% for 2020, compared with 85% for 2019. Workers' compensation underwriting profitability has been pretty solid in recent years because of falling claims frequency. And there are signs that claims costs from workers' comp catching workers' comp employers, employees rather, catching COVID-19 will not be as high as feared. One surprise was that the average COVID-19 claim cost was less than $5,000 compared with about $20,000 for the typical workers' compensation claim. With that being said, the workers' compensation market may not be done with the pandemic yet. The potential for long-term health effects of COVID-19 is not yet fully known, and as time goes on, the overall picture of the pandemic's impact may change. Another unknown is how working from home for a prolonged period of time may affect workers' health in the long run. The introduction of new presumption rules in several states is a worry for the work comp industry. And in medical news, the days of waiting some time for a pharmacist to fill a prescription may be by your doctor may soon be behind us. Pharmacists, doctors' offices, and other medical institutions could one day offer individual patients medications that are customized to their needs using 3D printing technology. The new technology has been developed in recent years under an expanding field of pharmaceutical research aiming to understand how to shape the effects of medication has on patients. According to lead researcher of the study published in the International Journal of Pharmaceutics, Shang Ki, the third printed, 3D printed pill model could spark a wave of personalized pharmaceutical interventions tailored to meet the unique needs of all patients. Key, who is a professor at the United Kingdom's University of East Anglia, said that the current pharmacological landscape takes the opposite approach, manufacturing one form of medication meant to satisfy all patients. 
but the concept of personalized medicine uses new manufacturing technology to produce pills that have the accurate dose and drug combinations tailored to individual patients. This would allow the patients to get maximal drug benefit with minimal side effects. Such treatment approaches can particularly benefit elderly patients who often have to take many different types of medicines per day, and patients with complicated conditions such as cancer, mental illness, and inflammatory bowel disease. The study's findings could one day shape an element of personalized medicine that can create a tailored pharmacological regimen at the site where patients are being treated. The study said future research is needed to make the technology produce pills that can regulate dosing frequency. If the technology is improved, people on complex medical regimens requiring multiple medications taken each day could one day be able to take one pill that slowly releases a day's worth of doses. An analysis of the National Survey on Drug Use and Health data found that cannabis use more than doubled over the past decade among Americans age 50 and over, with nearly 1 in 10 now reporting usage over the past year. For their study, the researchers examined data involving nearly 18,000 individuals aged 50 and up, 55% of whom were women. Of the 9% who reported using cannabis in the past year, about 20% reported using it for medical purposes, such as treatment of chronic pain or depression, or for diseases like arthritis. Compared to recreational users, those using cannabis for medical purposes were more likely to discuss drug use with a healthcare professional, to purchase from medical cannabis dispensaries, and to report more frequent use. Another large survey performed in the U.S. in 2017 found the most common medical reasons for marijuana use were anxiety at 49%, insomnia at 47%, chronic pain at 42%, and finally depression at 39%. Among those using marijuana for medical purposes, 21% did not have a doctor. Among those with doctors, 33% did not inform them, 28% reported their doctor was neutral on their use, 32% reported their doctor was supportive, and 8% reported their doctor was not supportive. The findings suggest that some medical users may be self-treating without healthcare professional consultation. Medical professionals now say that as part of routine care, patients should be screened for cannabis and other substances used and for mental health problems and treatment recommendations when necessary. It is important that patients be made aware of the risks of obtaining cannabis and cannabis products from unregulated sources given the increase in tetrahydrocannabinol potency. Healthcare professionals should educate older cannabis users, especially high-frequency users, on potential safety issues and adverse effects. In fact, there has been a push in recent years to help familiarize healthcare providers with the health effects of cannabis.
And in other industry news, the current issue of the National Council on Compensation Insurance Quarterly Economics Briefing for the first quarter 2021 surveys recent developments related to employment and wages and considers the risk to emerging economic recovery from a possible fourth COVID surge. The two-month fall in coronavirus case rates coincident with the appearance of new vaccines has kindled optimism. The expectation that new vaccines will bring the coronavirus pandemic under control by year-end, if not sooner, is itself a powerful driver for rapid recovery of spending and jobs in the United States, if that expectation is borne out in coming months. After stagnation during the nationwide coronavirus surge last winter, the pace of job recovery picked up in February and in March. The rollout of new vaccines and a fall in coronavirus case rates are creating an expectation that the COVID recession may be over by year-end, if not sooner. This is also boosting discretionary consumption and new hiring. However, an uptick in case rates beginning in late March casts a shadow on the prevailing mood of optimism. You can read the full quarterly economics briefing for an in-depth look at the economy and how it's impacting workers' compensation on the NCCI website. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcast and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device for searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Fulce with Floyd, Scarin, Manuki, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.